0: Well. Wow. So good. Which one am I looking at, Mark? Over here? All right, there we are. Hello, Celeste. How are you doing again? I wish I could get her up here. She's got the biggest smile of everybody in the room. And if you took one look at her and you didn't smile back, then there's something wrong with you right there. You know, my wife is uh, speaking into people's incomes, and I know one of the greatest concerns people have is about the economy at this time. And, you know, I just want to encourage you. I want to encourage you that um, you know, there are ways uh, that God is going to open up new things. I think we're going to find that at the end of this, the economy is going to be different than it was before. And we're going to have an economy based on, on service and on, on kindness and on all kinds of areas where we never really thought possible before. But God is going to release those things and new creativity in those things. It will be an amazing opportunity for many. And uh, it will come through in ways in which we learn to pull together. It'll be an economy based on working together, and I think that's an exciting opportunity for us as the Church of Jesus Christ as we go forward. Is to uh, build our lives, build our communities together, and to see what we can do as we work together. Amen. Well, today uh, uh, I I have a message called uh, "Dealing with the." word, dealing with the F word. You know, the current global climate uh, uh, that we're in, and I'm not speaking about the weather, is quite a disconcerting for people. Many, many people have concerns, and, and they're facing a lot of uncertainty. And, uh, and, and as people are facing those situations, you know, they're uncertain about the virus, they're uncertain Uh, about the economy. They're concerned about so many things. You know, they're looking at their finances. They're looking at their home situation. They're looking at their retirement funds and seeing them dwindle. And they are saying, I'm so unsure about the future. And this is all quite understandable. And anyone who's not concerned is somebody who's been living in isolation. I read an article a couple weeks ago about uh, these uh, four or five guys that went on the, the, the canoeing trip of a lifetime in the Grand Canyon—one that you have to get a permit for to even take—and you go into the Grand Canyon, and they're completely cut off from the world. And they went in in the early part of February, uh, and they had no cell phones, no nothing. And uh, then they, they came out a month later, and they were met on shore by the people that own the, the the business that uh, sets up these tours. And he starts telling them about what's happened in the world, and they didn't believe him. They had not heard anything about it. When they went into the canyon, everything seemed normal. When they came out, they were in the midst of so much upheaval. And so I'm sure they were one of the few people on the planet who didn't know what was going on. Well, I want to assure you this morning that God certainly knows what's going on. That he saw the events that are unfolding today before the foundations of the earth were laid. And he has always had a plan to bring about things that are good in the midst of what is taking place. And we'll talk more about that uh, later on. Well, this morning I want to talk about some of the concerns that people have in the midst of the pandemic and want to reassure you that it's okay to have concerns. It's normal to have, uh, you know, uh, concerns and feelings of uncertainty and to be a bit anxious about what's happening. It's perfectly normal. But what happens when your concerns and your anxiety morph into that powerful four-letter word that gets a hold of us, that word fear. What happens when fear becomes uh, so paralyzing in our life that it takes over? How do we deal with it when it is running our life and when it is, it is taking over? Because fear, if you let it, is a crippler, and it's almost always a complete liar, And so we need to learn how to deal with fear this morning and how to face it head on. Everything that God has enabled us to be victorious, bold, courageous, gracious, peaceful, strong, compassionate, and hopeful, all require us to live by another F word. But it's a five-letter F word. And it's the word faith. We are called to walk by faith and not by fear. And faith and fear are both two powerful words But we must understand something, that fear is not the opposite of faith. Fear is the absence of faith. I told our congregation uh, a number of years ago, and it remains true today in the midst of this uh, pandemic that we're facing, that fear uh, and faith both invite you to believe in something which has not yet happened. The question is, which one will you believe? Most of our fears today surrounding this pandemic, have, aren't really rooted in what's actually happened. Instead, they're, they're rooted in what might be, the questions that we have about the future, what's coming down the pipe, and nobody really knows for certain. And so we build up these scenarios in our mind that end up robbing us of any kind of potential uh, in the present. And we want to help you today to be able to put the brakes on that in your life. Dr. Michael Brown posed a series of questions in an article that I read A few years ago, and and, and this is what he said. He said, Have you ever heard of Reverend John Kirby? Or how about Bishop Lavington? The names don't ring a bell. How about Reverend Alexander Gardner? You ever heard of him? No? Well, maybe you're just a little weak in church history. I know when I read the article, I'd never heard of them, so I thought maybe that's the problem. So he said, Well, maybe let's check out your knowledge of the Bible then. He said, Let's take a couple of important biblical figures. Uh, Are you familiar of Shaphat, the son of Hori, or Egel, the son of Joseph? Can't place them either? Well, I don't blame you. I've never heard of them either. Well, it looks uh, like we'll have to make this test, he said, a little easier. Let's try some different names. Have you ever heard of John Wesley or George Whitefield? Sure. They were names who were prominent in the uh, Great Awakening, both in Europe and in America. Or how about, uh, you know, uh, Joshua, son of Nun, or Caleb? son of Jephunneh. Well, those names are familiar too, because those are two of the spies that uh, led Israel, went into the promised land uh, in in the Bible as God was leading people out of captivity. Well, who were Kirby, Lavington, and Garden then? Well, they were some of the ministers who hotly opposed Whitfield and Wesley. And who were the biblical figures of Shaphat and Egal? Well, they were two of the Israelite spies who did not believe God's promises and instead were captured by fear with what they saw in the promised land and rose up against the Moses and the people of uh, of God's command to go in and possess the land, and they allowed fear to be disseminated through them. And guess what? They've been forgotten, but Joshua and Caleb are remembered. Wesley and Whitfield are remembered, but those who oppose them in fear are forgotten as well. And that's what happens time and time and time again. When the dust settles on this present pandemic, when the world eventually gets back to normal, whatever that normal is going to look like, we do not know. Uh, But you know what? When they do, uh, the people who are remembered are not going to be those who gave in to fear or sat back at home in their couches and and, and posted uh, apocalyptic messages on their cell phones or things like that, uh, those people will be forgotten. The people that will be remembered are those who, in faith and in courage, stood up in the midst of the pandemic and served and loved and gave and poured themselves out for those that were around them. Those will, the peop- will be the people that are held in honor and respect. You see, history has a way of forgetting people, who walk in fear and not in faith. History has a way of forgetting those people. Consider the 12 spies who entered Canaan. All 12 witnessed the exact same thing, the same scenario, but they came to different conclusions. All 12 men were leaders in their 12 respective tribes. All 12 men received and knew the same promise of the Lord. All 12 men faced the exact same giants, and all 12 men had the exact same opportunity before them. Ten men said no to that opportunity. Ten men saw the giants in the land and shook with fear. As John Maxwell said, the ten men saw God in the light of their circumstances. But Joshua and Caleb, they saw their circumstances in the light of their God. If you read the story in Numbers chapter 13, you'll see that the ten spies made no mention of God in their report at all. Instead, all they talked about were the obstacles in the land, the giants and the fortified cities. Fear had replaced their faith in God. And they developed what we'd call a grasshopper complex. They saw themselves as mere insects in the eyes of their enemies. They saw themselves as nothing more than fodder to be given over to the enemy. In the end, You know, the crowd listened to those negative reports. God had to send a cloud to spare Joshua and Caleb from them, and the people suffered as a result. Joshua and Caleb, however, believed God would protect them and go before them if they entered the land of Canaan. And they were not disappointed. Their faith was proven because they trusted in God and God preserved them, and they got to enter the promised land when many of their fellow countrymen did not. You know, we have to understand that God operates by faith. Satan operates by that F word, fear. In Matthew's Gospel read where Jesus declares this principle that God is moved by faith. The story goes that as Jesus went out from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and asked him, do you, and he asked him, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord. We believe, they replied. Then he touched their eyes, and he said, According to your faith will it be done to you. And their sight was restored. And their sight was restored. You know, it's a principle of the kingdom of God that he is, operates and he is moved by faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says that without faith, it's impossible to please God, because whoever comes to him must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder, of those who diligently seek him or go after him. There is no victory in fear, and there is no defeat in faith. God is calling us as the church of Jesus Christ in this season to respond by faith. He's calling us to stand up in faith and not allow fear to take us over. That is what God is asking us to do, especially as the church, especially as believers in this season. So you might be asking the question today, how do I get there? How do I say no to all of the noise and all of the things that I'm reading and all of the negative messages that are out there? How do I say no to that and stand in faith? Well, I want to help you with that today. First step you need to do is you need to realize that your greatest enemy is not the virus. Your greatest enemy is fear. You know, all across this country right now, there are people who are seeing what's happening with the virus and seeing what's happening globally with it. And fear is rising up within them. And fear is causing them to turn to all kinds of other things for comfort that cannot provide it. Uh, You know, people who are, are suffering from... Uh, drug addictions and, and, and all kinds of other issues, overdoses, turning to, to, uh, is, uh, to isolation in a way where they're not even talking to people or reaching out through social media or anything. And, and they're allowing that fear to rise and rise and rise within, and it begins to take over. You need to recognize that fear is an even greater enemy than the virus. Sure, the virus is, is powerful. Sure, the virus is, is easily spread, but fear is spread so much faster. Fear has this ability to come along and... Take all of the life right out of us. You know, the scripture says in Romans chapter 8, What shall we say then in response to this, to this fear? Well, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us everything that we need? He said, Who goes on to say, Who will separate us from this love which is in Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness? Or pestilence or disease, or even the sword. As it is written, he said, At uh, all these things we are more than conquerors through him who has loved us. I believe the scripture is clear that we have nothing in the physical realm to fear. You know, throughout history, the church for the last two thousand years uh, has faced trial and tribulation fearlessly. They have served the public during plagues. they have laid their lives down during difficult times. They have taken care of the sick and the oppressed, and they have done so without fear. Why? And while historically believers have reason, one of three destinies lays before us. Either one, God will protect us in the midst of a pandemic or in the midst of a crisis. or. Secondly, they've reasoned, if God doesn't protect me, if I become a victim of this situation, then God will preserve me in the midst of this experience. I will be preserved, I will be uh, taken care of in the midst of it, even if I am suffering with those around me. Or the third thing that the church and the believers have concluded is that even if my life were to be given in the midst of this pandemic, then I would be ushered into his presence. And, you know, either way, Whether God protects me, preserves me, or ushers me into his presence, as a believer, we win. You know, the Bible says, you know, to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. So no matter what happens, we win. And that's why, as believers, we're able to face any and every situation without allowing fear to take over because we have Christ with us. So the first thing you need to do is realize fear is your greatest enemy. The second thing I encourage you to do today is to take control of your mind. Take control of your mind. You know, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 to 5 says this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments, things for the mind, and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought. We take captive our mind and we make it obedient to Christ. To believe the report of the Lord, to stand in faith and not fear, then we must take captive every thought that comes into our mind and make it obedient to Christ. Take captive every thought. Get control of your thought life today. Take control of your mind. Dale Carnegie boldly declared, you can conquer almost any fear if you will only make up your mind to do so. But remember, Fear doesn't exist anywhere except in the mind. It's a work of the mind. It doesn't mean that there aren't real issues contributing to it, but the fear is still captured and and fed and fueled in the mind. The battle is in the mind. The third thing we need to do is to encourage ourselves in the Lord. There's a little verse tucked away in 1 Samuel chapter 30 that's held my attention for years now. And David was in a difficult situation, and it says, and David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. How many you know that's a pretty desperate situation? Uh, because uh, the soul of all the people was grieved, and every man for his sons and for his daughters. But here, listen to this. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Isn't that powerful? David encouraged himself uh, in the Lord his God. You know, David was not... Uh, immune to the things that were going on around him. He experienced all of the same pressures and everything else that all the rest of Israel were, uh, were experiencing. He was grieving loss. He was grieving uh, different things that had happened to the people of Israel. But his response to the situation was different. David's response was to encourage himself in the Lord. Wow. Wow. You know, too often we place our expectation on other people to encourage us. Too often we place our expectation on everybody else to be the one who builds me up and strengthens me in the Lord. But David, the Bible says, encouraged himself in the Lord. Well, how did David do that? Well, if you were to read on in 1 Samuel chapter 30 and you got down to verse 8, you would find the first thing did was that David inquired of the Lord. In other words, David prayed. When David needed to encourage himself in the Lord, he went to God and he began to pray and he began to ask God to be with him and to help him in his present situation. The second thing that David did was he, he received a word from the Lord. Well, David may have had an audible word from God in his season, but you know, you and I have the whole Bible as a word and a testament from God to feed our souls upon. And so we can pray, but we also can receive from the word of the Lord. You know, and I find that the Bible is kind of like Jeopardy. You know what I mean? Have you ever watched the show Jeopardy? Uh, Jeopardy is, is unique because Jeopardy gives you the answer, and then you have to formulate the question, right? And I believe the Bible is just like that. I believe the Bible has all of the answers even before you ask the question. Before you can formulate any question in your mind, the Bible already has the answer to the question. Isn't that amazing? And that is the God that we serve. Psalm 112, verses uh, 1 and verse 7 says this, Blessed is the man who feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. Amen? We encourage you to do that today. You know, Kenneth Copeland says... Uh, like this. He said, no deposit, no return. Listen to what he wrote. He said, to win in the time of crisis, pre- prepare yourself now. If you don't take time to deposit the word in your heart now, it won't be there later when you really need it. You'll end up uh, in a crisis with only doubt and unbelief instead of faith and the power you need to see it through. Now is the time to build a rock-solid foundation in your heart. Don't wait around until you face that crisis. Get the word into your heart in abundance now, so when you really need it, you'll be able to operate in power. I think that's pretty good advice. What you need to do right now today is to pray and to begin to feast on the word of God, to build your spirit up so that as the crisis mounts, as the situation may get more difficult around us, you are standing on the foundation of the word, you're rock solid. Now, after you've prayed and after you've immersed yourself in the word, the third thing that David did and the third thing that you and I need to do is you need to act to defeat your enemy. David pursued his enemy and defeated them. You need to do the same thing. You know, James, Jesus' earthly brother, he said that faith without works is dead. You can say you have faith, but if you don't act on that faith, if you don't get up and go after it, then do you really have faith at all? So I'm going to say to you today, don't allow the enemy to conquer you with fear, but instead pray, get into the word and begin to act. You might say, well, what can I do in this pandemic, you know, uh, and all of the restrictions on on, uh, physical distancing, what can I actually do? Well, there is so much that you can do. You know, action is always risky business, but I think if we will turn ourselves to the Lord and if we will hear from him, he will give us some strategies on how we can reach out and how we can act and how we can help people in this time of crisis. You know, we just have to simply do whatever it is that he tells us. You know, here at the church, we've been been forced into live streaming, as we're doing right now, and we had plans maybe to do that down the road. We've been budgeting towards it uh, this coming fall, but here we are today, Uh, In your living room, because you know the Lord has opened up a new opportunity for us in the midst of a difficult situation. And you know, and if we'll listen to the Lord, there's so many other ways that you can reach out to your neighbors and to those in your community. Reach out through your telephone, Um, as I mentioned last week, especially for the younger generation. You can actually make calls on it, you can phone people up, you don't have to text them, you don't have to just reach out to them through Facebook Messenger or something like that. You can actually pick them up. And phone them and call them and ask if they're okay, if there's anything you can do for them. Remember, those who are, are elderly are more vulnerable than those who are not. So you may be able to go and to pick up groceries and drop them at someone's door. You may be able to, to you know, order a pizza or something for a staff at a hospital or, or, or at a, you know, her serving in, in different difficult situations. You know, remember there are so many people that are still at work because they're providing essential services for you. Ask yourself, how can I bless them? How can I encourage them? There are so many ways in which we can do uh, remarkable things uh, in the midst of this situation to bring hope and encouragement to those around about us. And I think if you ask God, he'll give you a strategy, and you'll find that you are actually having more impact today than you were having a couple months ago. The other reason is that there's a lot of people wanting to hear uh, a word of encouragement, a smile, a word of hope, You carry that in you. At some point in the future, in the next number of months, this pandemic will have passed. And the society that we have left will be one that is stronger or weaker based on how we respond today in the midst of it. So I encourage you to be filled with faith. Be somebody who's out there encouraging and speaking to other people, building them up so that when we get through this together, we find ourselves in a better place, in a better community than we had in the beginning. So what will the rest of 2020 look like? I don't know. When will it end, uh, this pandemic? What will it be look like in the end? I don't know. Where will we find ourselves financially, economically, uh, uh, in so many other different ways? I don't know the answer to that question right now either. But I do know this, that if we will uh, pray Get into his word and act in kindness and faith in the midst of it all, that how it turns out in the end really is going to de- be determined by us. We are the ones that hold the keys to how this thing will look in the end. I know it sounds ridiculous, but I believe that you and I, by faith, are the ones who can turn the work of the enemy in this hour upside down. You know, God has the way of doing that. Do you remember the story of Joseph in the Bible? Do you remember how his brothers were jealous because he got the nice coat from dad and they were jealous when he told dad about his dreams of the, you know, the, 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 when he interpreted them were his brothers bowing down to him. Do you remember that? And they didn't take to it very well. So they were going to have him killed. And instead they threw him into a pit and the one brother went back and felt a little bit bad and sold him, uh, to some slave traders who took him and he ended up in Egypt. And you remember in Egypt, he was in, Potiphar's house and serving him and doing everything. And Potiphar was so blessed to have Joseph in his house uh, that he kept nothing from him except his wife. But his wife didn't want to keep herself away from Joseph. And so she came on to Joseph and he rejected that and he did the righteous thing. And uh, she falsely accused him and he ended up in prison. And then when he was in prison, he interpreted the dreams for the baker and the cup holder and, and his reward was that they forgot him. Until one day, Pharaoh has dreams, and so he is called back into the service of the king. When he got there, he interpreted the dream for, the, uh, for Pharaoh, and, and Pharaoh was able to hear and receive from Joseph what the dreams meant and realize that they had to spend seven years in plenty uh, setting things aside so that during seven years of famine, their land would not run out of food. Well, when the famine came, Egypt was the only place that had plenty. So Joseph's brothers, guess where they ended up? In Egypt, looking for help. At at Joseph's feet, because Joseph was now second in command in the country, only to Pharaoh. And so they came, and when Joseph did the big reveal, you know, like uh, on some kind of a reality TV show, ta-da, he did the big reveal, and his brothers, when they realized that it was Joseph that they'd been coming to all along, they were so gripped with fear, they figured for sure he would take his revenge on his brother's. But you remember how the story went instead? Joseph uh, went down, he embraced his brothers, and he said, guys, relax, putting it in common vernacular. He said, relax, guys, it's okay. What you intended for evil, God meant for good. What you intended for evil, God had a plan to use it for good. And so here we are today, and I am able to help our family in the midst of this famine. I believe that's exactly what God is doing right now. What the enemy would love to use for uh, evil uh, through fear and panic and, and through the actual virus itself and cause destitution and, 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 and so much heartache and so much pain, God has a plan to flip that thing upside down. There's a, a, a post that's been going around the Internet uh, lately that I would like to put up on screen for you today. And it's a post that I think sums up God's plan in the midst of it for us. So let me read it to you. You know, it goes like this. It says, Satan said, I will cause anxiety, fear, and panic. I will shut down business, schools, places of worship, and sports events. I will cause economic turmoil. Jesus said, I will bring together neighbors, restore the family unit. I will bring dinner back to the kitchen table. I will help people slow down their lives and appreciate what really matters. I will teach my children to rely on me and not the world. I will teach my children to trust me and not their money and material resources. Doesn't that sound just like God? You know, in the midst of it all that the enemy is trying to capitalize on right now, God is saying, I'm going to restore so much to our culture again. I'm going to restore so much to our people if they will... Just hear me. If they'll call upon me and hear me, then I'm going to answer them from heaven. And I'm going to heal their homes. I'm going to heal their country. I'm going to heal their land. If they'll call upon me, I'll restore families. I'll restore marriages. I'll restore situations. I'll do it by my power because my power is greater than anything the enemy can throw at you. I think that's a good word for us today. That in the midst of it all, if we'll pray, if we'll go to his word, and we'll serve one another. We can see Jesus bring healing in the midst of panic and fear. We can see God release his power in this hour and see so much happen that is a a counterweight, uh, uh, an opposite of what the enemy would do, what he would plan for destruction. God is going to use for good. I want to pray with you today as we close, and I want to ask God to help each and every one of us to be able to focus on him in this hour. And I'm going to ask God to strengthen you in your prayer life, to strengthen you in in and through his word, and to give you the courage to be able to act and to serve others in this hour in the best of our ability in in, in doing so in in line with all of the different limitations and restrictions that are placed upon us. God is going to give you some creativity in how to reach him. And we're going to flip this thing upside down on the enemy what he has planned for destruction and fear and, 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 and anxiety, God is going to flip this thing upside down, and he's going to bring people together, families together. He's going to bring a community together by the power of his spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your loving kindness to us. We thank you, Lord, that you care so much about us That you would, in the midst of the darkest hour, in the midst of our most difficult season, you have come alongside us and you said, hey, together, let's work together to flip this thing upside down on the enemy. He wants to cause fear and panic. Well, we're going to bring peace in the midst of it all. He wants to cause destruction and separation and anxiety. No, 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 we're going to bring families and we're going to bring homes together like never before. We're going to see the power of God released, and we're going to see people experience health and healing in the midst of a a pandemic of fear and of illness. We're so grateful that, God, you always have a plan, that when the enemy would come at us with any one of his weapons, that you have a plan to use weapons which are not carnal. They're they're not the weapons of the enemy's warfare, but they are greater, and they are weapons that are able to tear down every stronghold and bring every every thought captive to Jesus Christ. Father, we just pray today that, God, you would release your power in this place, in this community, through your love and through your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to thank you for coming and joining us today. It's been awesome to be and welcomed into your home again today. We are so thankful that uh, you have given us this opportunity. Let your friends know about the post. They can watch it on, on Facebook, uh, you know, at any time throughout the next week. Uh, they can see it will be up there. They'll be able to be encouraged through the word. We encourage you to uh, let it be known everywhere you go that this is available to spread encouragement hope wherever we can. God bless you. Thank you for uh, having us in your home today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord grant you peace in Jesus' name.